watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15, 10. Hit, oh. hit in. Gregory, touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes a catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7 FM heard wherever you are. Whatever you are doing in the ESPN app. Seen, heard, and everything in between. At a place on the internet where all kinds of things happen. No, not that site. No, that's a whole different. No, no just no, not no, not that one. No, no, just get your mind out of the gutter. Come on. The show's only 30 seconds old. We're already going down that road. Not that place on the internet. I mean, that's hot. No, we're talking about QSportsTalk.com. Where things are hot uh, when it comes to hot takes, uh, that's for sure. Where you can watch a radio show as it happens, you can chat with us as that radio show happens that you're watching, and that's not all, friends. If you call now, we'll throw in absolutely free the opportunity to chat with us during radio commercial breaks. You got to shout really loud so we hear you over the commercials. No, you don't have to do that. What happens is the radio audience goes into commercial break. You Yes, you at QSportsTalk.com do not. We keep the camera on. We keep the microphone on. We just we just can't stop talking. We just can't keep yammering. No commercial break. We'll stop by yammering. That's my philosophy. QSportsTalk.com, the place to be there. Uh, however you're taking in the show today, hey, thanks for that. We appreciate that. We're glad you're here on a Tuesday. Uh, some of you getting the week underway today after our Martin Luther King Day yesterday. So uh, let's rock and roll, get this thing going here with you. Uh, the chat, a great way to make yourself a part of the show at QSportsTalk.com. Uh, traditional means at 437-7644 on the phones. And you can hit me on Twitter at BrentXMedia. We have one guest joining us today, and that is uh, Syracuse women's basketball head coach, Felicia Leggett-Jack, presented by Wegmans, presented by Bill Rapp Superstore. Looking forward to chatting with uh, Coach Jack. A uh, big one against Notre Dame on Sunday. Syracuse in it. Till the fourth quarter, Look, Notre Dame's the top five, six team in the country for a reason. What did Syracuse take away from that? What's the build from that? It was puppy day. Did you see the puppy? He was a good boy. And the women's team, as they go forward here, why one player actively leans into the Dennis Rodman comparisons and uh, a whole lot more. We don't want to give everything away, right? We want you guys to listen to that thing. It's coming up at about 520. Looking forward to that. A uh, programming note: We will not uh, chat with Joe Girard today. Yeah, I know. Brent 
Didn't you come on this show last week and say every Tuesday Joe Girard's going to come on by and chat Syracuse basketball presented by RomanoCars.com? I did say that. I did say that, and I am a man of my word. But I uh, had a scheduling conflict today, so we are actually going to talk to Joe a little later this week. Thursday is probably where we're going to end up. We're still working out the details there. So you will hear from Joe. It's just not going to be today. So you'll live. You'll be okay. It'll be all right. Just a couple more days, and then you'll get the Joe Girard report coming up. Certainly a lot of Syracuse basketball to get into today. The Cowboys steamroll the Bucks. I believe somebody on this radio station yesterday said that was the pick of the year, and I don't mean the Cowboys. Is it a coincidence that Josh is not here today? Apparently Jordan went in on that too. And I, Look, I'm not... Gambling guru here. You know what Uncle Brent says about don't bet on sports unless you're absolutely really sure in certain occasions, which I have broken that rule on. Let's go Sabres. For those of you following that subplot on QSportsTalk.com. But, man, when Josh came in here yesterday and told me that was his, not just his pick, it's one thing, like, hey, I think Tom Brady and the Bucks are going to win. All right. Tom Brady wins a lot of playoff games. That's not crazy. Tom Brady's never lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, I, I get it. But then when you put pick of the year, I mean, you could just see the skepticism on my face. I tried to talk him out of it. He went with it, and, well, we saw what happened, right? So now the future of Tom Brady is up for discussion, and I feel like I have an answer a lot of people don't on that, which used to be the answer on that. So we will discuss uh, as the NFL playoffs uh, kind of continue. Like that wrapped up wild card weekend. We had a Monday night game, and now we're gonna just going to roll right into the divisional weekend and the matchups there. And uh, it's football, 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 friends. And there ain't nothing wrong with that, as they once sang on the Jefferson. So all that to come, the blind side and more as we go through the afternoon. Where we start, though, is certainly what's on a lot of people's minds after Syracuse's loss to Miami last night. And that is, why was Judah Mintz on the floor? There are many points where you could have got out of the way of the wave. I understand sticking with players through certain ups and downs. Not every player on that team is treated equally. I think we have certainly seen that from Jim Beheim. We saw it last night. Now, Benny Williams ends up playing a great game, and that was encouraging for this team. That was the Benny Williams we need to see. But it's the Benny right now it's the Benny Williams we see once every four or five games, right? But I bring up Benny as an example because now I understand this is early in the game versus down the stretch in the clutch when it matters more. But he makes one bad pass, hits the bench immediately. Okay. Different players, different situations. He was probably told not to do what he does. Typically, it's defensive mistakes that give you the quick hook, and it's just a bad turnover. I'm not disagreeing with the move to pull him. But I, I just fail to see the logic of keeping Judah Mintz on the floor when he was melting down. He was committing all the sins a point guard cannot commit. He's turning the ball over. He's making bad decisions. He's not seeing his teammates. He's trying to do everything himself when he does not have the hot hand. Gerard had the hot hand. Jesse Edwards had the hot hand. Even Benny had the hot hand. You are far from it. 
Judah Mintz's instincts are right. What I love about Judah Mintz's game, and I have said this repeatedly, and I'll continue to say it, is there are certain parts about his game you cannot teach. The tenacity, the aggressiveness, the confidence. I love that a player is out there always thinking the next shot is going to go in. I don't put the blame on Judah Mintz for this. If you can use the word in a sports context, I put the blame on Jim Beheim here. Because you got to see, you got a point guard in distress, and it's not just one or two plays. It was a meltdown. You could see he was in distress. You could see his confidence waning. There were timeouts where you had to look him in the eye and see he does not have it. He is a detriment to you on the floor. And I'm just talking about this game. I know what Judah has done to this point, and I know what Judah's going to do from this point. We're going to look back on this game as an anomaly. We're going to look back on this game as the exception to the rule. He is going to play many more great games and have more great moments than the bad moment he had last night. But every player goes through it. They have their ups and downs. And to say we're approaching the 20-game mark, and that was the first time that I walked away from a game and I said, he looked like a freshman. Now, there's freshman mistakes. There's things that they do, as I like to say, you don't know what you don't know as a young player. But he makes up for it in so many other ways, right? There's so many other factors and things he makes up for it that you say, okay, you made that mistake, but you're going to overcome it. Notre Dame game. He had eight assists to one turnover. He did a lot of things right. And I get there's certain autonomy you have to give to a point guard. I get he doesn't, the starting quarterback does not get treated the same way the 53rd lineman on the roster gets. I completely get that and I understand that. But I'm looking at last night's game and I'm seeing a player just fall apart. I'm seeing a player making mistakes. I'm seeing a player turn the ball over and I'm looking at the bench and I'm looking at the bench and I'm seeing nothing. I don't see Symeer Torrance getting off the bench and coming in to check in. Symeer Torrance is there for that exact reason. Symeer Torrance is there to come in and calm things down, settle things down. Judah having a moment, turning the ball over, doesn't see what he did. Okay. That's why you have Symeer Torrance sitting right there to come in and do that, which he did, by the way, prior in that half. But, I mean, just go through it here. Because there's a direct line, there's a direct correlation here, which makes me say, why did Judah get this much to work with in this situation? Because, well, let's just check the boxes here. Of Syracuse's nine turnovers, he had five, with a lot of those coming down the stretch. Okay, so he's turned the ball over. He's not scoring. He only had three points in the game. I think he had like four or five assists, so... He's doing his job in one sense there. But I don't even think I have to give you numbers here. I don't think I have to justify my case. If we're in a court of law here, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about my case to sit him down. Let's go through the scenarios here. Miami takes its first lead of the second half, breakaway layup by uh, Beverly. There's 3.43 to go. That was Mince's fourth turnover of the game, a direct line. Turnover led to Miami taking the lead. Timeout. Right here, everybody's saying, not that everybody's always right, but everybody sees the same thing I saw. You got to put Simer Torrance in here. You have to. Like, 
Judas just way too off the line here. You got to put him in. Timeout's over. There's Mintz on the court. Okay. 140 to go, turns it over again. 23 seconds left. Syracuse down two. They're still in it. They're still in it. Okay, so I guess the one counter argument you can make to me is they're still in the game. Okay. Down by two, Jesse Edwards grabs a rebound. Judah Mintz drives towards the basket. Ball gets swiped from him. I guess now you're all in. Like, now it's too late to make the change. Like, and keep in mind, Syracuse didn't have any timeouts here. So you're relying on stoppages. You're relying on places where you can make the substitution. They ran out of timeouts where they believe, what, 123 to go? I think that timeout, that was the last one. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but it was – I remember noting it like, oh, boy, they don't have any timeouts left, and there's over a minute to go. Remember, 343 to go. We're saying something's not right here. you gotta, you got to sit him down. you got to calm him down. He's, he is hurting your team by being out there. This is not an insult to Judah, the player, to this point as a person or anything. I'll talk about the moment, the analysis of this game as it stands. Okay. Syracuse down 78-76. Now we're really in crunch time. There's left than 15 seconds to go. Mintz drives into traffic. Forces a shot. Miami gets it back. They seal the deal at the free throw line. There was the shot where he, and this is a kid who drives into that lane with more confidence than you can imagine, no matter what his stat line reads. And he floated up an air ball. There were so many signs that he had to be out of the game, yet he was not out of the game. He had to be. This game, next game, he could play another 40-minute game, dominate, and continue on his pace to be the ACC Rookie of the Year. Jim Laranega last night in his post-game press conference, after that game and that moment, showered praise on Judah Mintz, said what I just said, that he's in line to be the ACC Rookie of the Year, but also said, you know, he's a freshman who made some freshman mistakes. right? We're going to play back a few things that Jim Beheim said last night, notably what he didn't say as well, which is his right. It's his choice. If he doesn't want to say anything more about it, he doesn't have to. I just find it interesting that he didn't. Not every player is treated the same. I'm not making this about, well, you'll say this about this guy, but not that guy. But I feel like that deserved a follow-up. Now, he explained the one play where it was supposed to go to Joe, but Judah kind of took it upon himself. But I get the sense of maybe not wanting to tank a player's confidence publicly. But, look, Jim has never been afraid to come to a post-game press conference and tell it like it is about a player. Now, certain players handle it better than others. Certain players have status over others. Completely understand that rule of thumb. But... This, this is not an argument. This is not one of those good old sports arguments like, you know, who's the greatest quarterback of all time that doesn't really have an answer to it, right? You think you have an answer to it, but there's a lot of names you can apply to that discussion. This is night and day. This is clear. You have a player hurting your team. And as a coach, you have a responsibility to put the best players on the court that are going to help you in that spot. Last night in that game, Judah Mintz was not one of them. And again, I am a big fan of Judah Mintz's game. I have said that all year. I said on this show, I did an entire segment on this show. Boy, when was it? Last week? It was recently. 
where I even said, I cannot come up with a reason to criticize this kid, nor do I feel like I can. I, I, I made the comparison, like, when you grow up in a big family, there's always, like, that fourth or fifth kid in the family, right, that just never gets in trouble. They just get away with everything because mom just doesn't have just doesn't have it in her heart to punish that kid. I That's Judah to me. Like, Judah's just one of those guys, like, he'll get away with what other players cannot, which is fine when you have the status of the point guard. Beheim has made it clear from day one how much confidence he has in this guy. And again, let me make this point so I just don't sound like, hey, you got to pull the guy out there. What are you doing? Let me make this point again. I have time after time, in any space I can, this show, Twitter, my column, said Judah has handled this. Judah has looked like anything but a freshman. Last night, he didn't even look like a freshman. He looked like somebody making his first start in high school down the stretch of that game. It wasn't one play. Look, this is a different discussion if, and this happened to Syracuse last year, inbounds play goes awry, you lose a game, you shouldn't. That's a moment. That's a happening, as Dino Babers likes to say. This is you are standing on the beach, and there is a giant tidal wave coming at you. You have time to get out of the way of this. You see it. You you have time to say, okay, that's not good. Let's get out of here. And instead, you stand there and let it swallow you up. This is, I don't want to make 100 analogies here. But this is having a fire extinguisher in your hand, watching an inferno in front of you, just being like, oh, how does this work? It costs Syracuse the game. Now, were there other things that cost Syracuse the game? Yes. Rebounding, offensive rebounding by Miami. I can go through all the ingredients in the pie here. But the main ingredient to that loss, and I get no pleasure in saying this, I like Judah, and I like the player he is. And let me reiterate, he is going to have more great moments than moments like that in a Syracuse uniform. But in that situation, you cannot justify keeping him on the court, in my opinion. He was hurting you way more than he could help you. And what he's done to this point, the good plays he's made, everything that you could say to try and justify that, I don't think that flies last night. I think it does in other spots. But last night, man, it couldn't be more clear. He was just he's having a he's having a bad day, he's having a meltdown, a moment, however you want to phrase it. And everybody knew it. And he just kept coming back out. And you're just like, that's why you have Simon Torrance. It'd be one thing if, like, hey kid, ride or die, we don't have an answer to this. No, you got an answer sitting right there. And you had other now, Jim brought up one of those plays had to go to Joe, so be fair and put that in the equation. I like the instincts. There's a lot about what I like about not last night, but Judah overall. But last night, man, like, you, you got to get him out of there. You just do. What we'll get into in the next segment is what that loss means. Are there other quad one opportunities coming? Yes. But the parallel roads that run together of this is where Syracuse is now and this is where they want to go. This is what the resume says. This is what the resume needs to say. We're running out of road here. We're running out of room for this thing to land. Last night was such a huge win, and they had it. It's not like the Virginia game, 
right? You're down by 23, you make a game of it, and at the end you look and it's 73-66. You're like, hey, man, at least you didn't lose by 20. Now, you had that one. By the way, this continued a, a trend, and there's, a, there's an easy answer to why, but this continued a trend against Miami. And we'll get into that coming up and some of the other aspects of that game, but that's the headline from that one. That's no matter how you circle back and look at that game, that's going to stick out like a sore thumb. As it should, because it was not the right decision to keep him out there. And on that note, we'll break. We'll come back and keep talking about this game. Get your thoughts on all things Syracuse basketball in this game and uh, plow on through an afternoon here with plenty more to come. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Around the Block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. We're all jacked up now, right? We get that. I mean, it's an interview. It's a discussion. It's a conversation. But it's, it's, it's more like a pep talk, right? How do you not walk away from any conversation with Coach? She's not even in the same room with us, and I want to go run about 50 laps around the building right now, right? Always a pleasure to talk to Coach Felicia Legat jack presented by Bill Rapp Superstore and Wegmans. The blind side awaits, but to the phones we go first at 437-7644. That's where David is today and wants to talk a little Cowboys football. Oh, my favorite son. Hello, David. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm great. Cowboys won, and I still predicted it. Cowboys Bill Super Bowl, but I want to get your take on it. What do you think? Do you think the Cowboys have a legitimate, legitimate shot at beating the 49ers, and what do you think they need to do to beat them? What do, what you go do you over the top. It's a simple thing, David, and it's not always simple to execute, but the thing with the Niners is, look, they've got a lot of weapons, Christian McCaffrey and Samuel and – Brock Purdy, of all people, just slinging it right now, not making the big mistakes, great defense. 49ers have the advantage of sitting a couple games more. Cowboys played on Monday night football. San Francisco not only played Saturday, but didn't exactly get the biggest push from Seattle. The way you beat the Niners is you go over the top. You can throw on this team. So there are some people kind of taking the Dak Prescott victory lap after last night. Look, Dak won a playoff game. He looked good, did what you had to do. But obviously, Tampa's a flawed team. That had Dallas lost that game last night would have created a hell of a lot more. Let me put it to you this way. Sean Payton's your head coach, right? I think like it's that thin of a line. But Mike McCarthy won. He gets to stay as the coach. The Cowboys, who just perennially feels like disappoint either by losing in the playoffs or not even getting there when they have teams that should be. Great classic rivalry. I remember those great Cowboys-Niners games. You're back in my day, right? But now two things. One, you got to go over the top on the Niners. And two, you got a kicker problem. And that's the last thing you want because inevitably you're going to play a close game and that game's going to be this week. You're not going to have a stroll on the park like you did in Tampa Bay in the shadow of the pirate ship last night. To the blind side we go. Hello, Matt. Hey, Brent. You, you would know a thing or two about kicker problems. I right? would, yes. I'm an expert on it. <laughs> this, this discussion. See what you got. It's time for the blind side. You may fire when ready. All right, looking ahead to this coming weekend, 
your favorite game for the divisional round? Obviously, taking out the Bills. Oh, I, I don't get the Bills? Well, that, that's a lock. That's no fun. That's your favorite game, obviously, but like between the other three. Well, no, I, I'm glad you asked this because I'm freaking out about this Bills-Bengals game. I'm very nervous about it. I think this is the matchup I didn't want. Like, if they win this game, they're going all the way. I feel like they can just... That's like the fine line I'm living on now. All right, well, let's go through them all here as to not not forget. Because this is one of those cliches that comes true, Matt. This is always the best. Not only football weekend, it's one of the best weekends in sports. The divisional round of the National Football League always delivers. Jags, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, Niners, Bengals, Bills. So if I can't pick my Bills... My favorite matchup is Giants-Eagles because I just want to see how far the Giants can take it. It's a divisional game. Cowboys-Niners has the history. I think the Chiefs are going to throttle Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville had their moment in the sun, and now they got to contend with Patty Mahomes and company in home. Chiefs are nine-point favorites. Giants-Eagles, man. That's just, man, that just makes me think of, like, NFL films, Bill Parcells on the sideline. Just let's go. A very NFL-heavy uh, blindside today. Oh. Also, a bonus. Well, you're not supposed to tell me that. Oh. Yeah. Bonus wrinkle to the blindside. I'm on 7% on my phone, so if this dies, then the blindside dies. Now I want it to. So now you're going to really stretch this Now I really want to stretch really this piece stretch of pizza dough out. as far as it can go. All right. And see what you do if your phone dies. <laughs> I, I just leave. I just I go <laughs> into the corner and I start to cry. <laughs> I just give up. And I wait for someone to bring me a charger. Just uh, where does Lamar Jackson land? Boy, the Jets make a ton of sense, don't they? Oh, yeah. You're a Jets fan. I don't know. What do you think? That's a lot of draft capital to give up. It depends on what you have to give up for. Because the Jets are a quarterback away, but not at the expense of too much, as you said, draft capital or whatever the case may be. Things me two or three first-round picks. I would not give up three first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. Would I give up two? Would you do two? Ready-made, insert, plug-and-play quarterback that are so hard to find and it's the most important position in football that people screw up all the time. If I'm the Jets, I'd probably think about it because I've already built my team up in other places. I don't need that draft capital as much as some other teams that maybe want to do business. Do you know who the who the highest, uh, the, the best odds are to land Lamar Jackson? I do not. The New England Patriots. Makes no sense, but they are. See, one way or the other, he's coming into my division. Jets? Or, and now I'm going to have to deal with this guy twice a year. Well, the commanders aren't landing. Well, the Patriots should have drafted him. Yeah, they, he would look good in When he was in that yeah. draft. Remember, he was the last quarterback taken in that but first Bridget round. was there for, what, two years of his career? At the time, though. I guess you let him sit. Thinking yeah. Tom Brady's. <laughs> Stop me if you heard this one. On the tail end of his career, which has been that case for like the last 15 years, right? I think Lamar Jackson would have been a better heir apparent than Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll just put it that way. So maybe he can end up where he should have been all. And not that he hasn't had success in Baltimore, but that pick made so much sense a few years ago, and I still don't know why Bill Belichick didn't make it. Larry David had the answer for the Jets. He said, go out there and get Lamar Jackson. Well, if Larry David says it, it must be pretty, pretty, pretty good. right? Right. Speaking of Tom Brady, you see how this flows? This is just a, a, a luxurious, just like a wave of questions. Who retires first, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? 
Uh, where's your phone at? What's what's the percent? Seven percent still. still. Do you want me to turn the brightness up? I can play like. I was some, gonna say like run about fourteen apps at once. I can play. I can, you know what I'll do? Turn the brightness up. I'll go on. Turn on the flashlight. Yep. Go on. I'll go on sportstalk.com and I will watch this on mute so we don't hear it. Well, I want to hit the hard out here. So that's the ooh. I'm not gonna stretch it out too far. Uh, who's gonna retire first, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. Now, what if they both retire this offseason? Technically, who gets the announcement out there first? Wins that? So. Give me Aaron Rodgers. All right. Um, okay, so Chargers, they've fired their offense coordinator, Joe Lombardi. But who's, whose fault was it that collapsed? Joe it, Lombardi, it was a lot of people's faults, but the fact that the, the only reason the Chargers didn't fire Brandon Staley is they're cheap. Yeah. And tell me when this whole let's reorganize the whole coaching staff thing works. It can in college, in pro football, it's a death sentence. Fire Staley, what are you doing? We will break. Stay right